Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, Mark Homer here, and welcome to Mark My Words. I've had a request from a podcast listener, um, Ian Reid, who asked if I could do a podcast on learning to fly. Now, it's pretty left field. Um, you know, for those of you who know me, I fly a, a helicopter. I have a private pilot's license. And, um, and Ian's asked if um, I could talk a little bit about the, the differences between flying a helicopter or a plane, the effort involved, what's the fastest way to learn, the costs, different locations, how would I do it differently? So here goes. So I have what's known as a PPL, which is a, a private pilot's license specifically for helicopter. Um, so I can't fly a plane. I don't have a, a fixed wing license, um, but there are lots of similarities between the two types of licenses. And I, I'm, you know, I've wanted to fly a, an aeroplane since I was uh, about 12 years old. My dad used to get into bed with me and, uh, and we'd, we'd go through the full pre-flight checklist of Concorde. Um, and we, we put it on the runway and, um, you know, we'd get airborne together and I absolutely loved it. My dad used to take me on um, Singapore Airlines. He, he managed to talk me, talk my way into the cockpit and I landed in, a, in a, an Airbus A300 when I was, um, when I was, uh, I was about 12 years old. I landed at Changi Airport in the, in the third seat uh, on Singapore Airlines, which was absolutely amazing. It was a night flight, and uh, I, I remember seeing the runway. It was so exciting. And every time, yeah, because we lived in Asia, every time we flew from um, Indonesia to Singapore, or we flew back to the UK, or, or we went anywhere around the region, my dad and I would be looking at all the planes, and he'd be discussing the engines on it, and all the, the, the braking systems, and you know how how the pilots um, used to um, sort of control the the plane with the um, with the ailerons and the, and the flaps and different engine settings. So, I've always wanted to be a pilot. Um, I didn't quite make it in terms of didn't do maths or, or physics to the right level early enough, and assumed I couldn't be a pilot, which actually probably wasn't the the, the right thinking. It probably wasn't true. Um, but um, I managed to do it a little bit later on in life. Um, Rob and I learnt together. Um, we went and um, tried a, a helicopter locally because Rob was going into a wedding. The guy excited him that much. I went along. I did a trial flight. He was flying up the side of trees. And and he managed to he managed to touch all the branches of a tree um, with the helicopter skids with me in it. He went all the way around the top of a tree, and you know by then I was hooked. I was I was so impressed. Of course, what they don't tell you is you're not going to be doing any of that for uh, well <laughs> a long, long time if ever. So um, such a lot of fun. Uh, got really, really excited. So around 2010, I started to learn to fly a Robinson R22. So for me, the, the, the benefits of flying a helicopter over a plane, of course, I'm going to be biased, are firstly, and quite obviously, you can land in many, many more places. So recreationally, um, you know, you've got a helicopter. Often you can land in, in, in a lot of fields. So I have a field at the back of my house. I can land there. Um, I can go to sort of friends' houses, fields or, or gardens. 
Um, often you can go into pub car parks or maybe hotel car parks or, you know, if, the, if there's a sort of anywhere really where there's a big open space and not too many trees. Um, so there are always fields around. You can often get into the sort of outskirts of a town or a, a village. Um, usually if you can get the name of the, the, the farmer, you just give them a ring, just say, I'm looking to land in your field. Most of them are pretty obliging, especially when you tell them you'll give them sort of 50 quid. Um, and, um, you know, you'll always find somewhere to land. Lots of stately homes um, accept helicopters, uh, lots of sort of country homes. Um, and uh, you can often go for lunch there or, you know, maybe you go and stay. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some pretty big benefits. If you're in a, if you're in a, a plane, clearly you've always got to land at an airfield somewhere. So there are quite a few airfields across the country but I generally find that you've got a lot more traveling time when you get to your destination because you've then got to find um, a taxi or, you know, find a way of getting from the airfield to wherever it is you want to go. So from a practicality point of view, flying a, a fixed wing is not as good. Um, it generally takes you more time to get point to point, more time to sort of get to your end destination because of all the um, toing and froing when you, you get to the other end. Another benefit of flying in a helicopter um, is that I can fly with um, when there's lower cloud than with a plane. You know, if clouds are a thousand feet, I could fly at sort of 900 or 800 feet uh, and just stay below it. Um, fixed wing um, planes, generally speaking, the cloud needs to be higher because they have to fly higher. So I can usually fly in more weather conditions um, than with a, with a plane. And I know from my local airfield, when the planes are all grounded, often I can set off and, and just flying along a little bit lower because I'm in a helicopter, which is pretty useful. Now, a big misconception with helicopters is that there, you know, if the engine stops or there's a major problem, the helicopter just falls out of the sky and you crash and die. Now, <laughs> that, that, that's not actually true. Um, if, if, if the engine stops in a helicopter, you can go into something called auto-rotation, uh, whereby effectively you disconnect the engine from the rotor blades. Uh, the rotor blades should carry on spinning and you bring the helicopter down in a, in a controlled fashion um, and then just before you're about to, to touch the ground, you pull it back um, to, to transfer the, or to convert the forward motion of the helicopter into lift um, so that you can um, hopefully land sort of um, um, relatively softly and, um, you know, uh, and obviously get out of it. So with a plane, obviously, if you get engine trouble or the engine fails, you need a bit of a strip to land on. Now, you do see people landing, you know, on, on beaches or in fields, um, but that can be quite difficult if um, you, you've got things in the way, obstacles, trees, um, or it's not uh, flat land. So I, I actually think helicopters are safer. Uh, a lot of helicopters pilots that I talk to um, think similar. We actually have um, a, a, a military helicopter pilot here at Progressive. Um, so I am has you know flown both helicopters and and planes, um, and he he thinks helicopters are safer as well. Now that's not sort of the common perception, um, but um, you know that's certainly sort of what I've found over the years. Remember what we're talking about here is general aviation. We're not talking about big sort of jet engine, twin engine. Um, you know, commercial aviation, you know, when you're talking about a, a big sort of easy jet, British Airways plane, that is the, almost the safest form of travel 
Um, it's just slightly more dangerous than going on a train, uh, but it is way safer than, than, than most other forms of travel or, or, or everything else except travelling by train. So that is very, very different from general aviation, which is um, flying a, a small plane or a small helicopter. Most accidents are caused because of a pilot error. These things rarely go wrong. It is usually because the pilot has done something wrong or has gone into bad weather. Weather is a big thing. Um, weather is, is why most accidents happen, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. So speed of a helicopter, you know, point to point, you're gonna be cruising at about 110 knots, maybe 120, 125 miles an hour. Um, very, very similar for a small piston engine plane as well. If you're thinking about a, a, a Piper PA28, they cruise at about the same speed as well, about 110 knots, 120 miles an hour. Um, so, you know, you, there's not really any advantage in terms of speed um, over, from, from a, a small fixed wing to a helicopter. And actually, there's not really any advantage with a small helicopter versus the biggest, most expensive twin engine helicopter, because the fastest helicopters probably only get up to about 160, 170 knots anyway. So there's a, a sort of marginal increase in speed and, and, and actually most helicopters are sort of cruising at 120, 130. Uh, even when they're, they're sort of jet engine helicopters. So there's not a major, major difference in, in terms of the speed. Um, clearly with a plane, once you go into twin engine planes and, and go into um, you know, uh, turboprop planes where you have a jet engine um, driving a propeller or, or indeed a, a jet engine um, plane, um, then speeds become much, much greater. It, lots of those can cruise at two or 300 knots uh, and obviously when, you, when you're in a jet engine plane, a twin, twin jet might be cruising at four or 500 knots, um, which would be sort of a, a private jet. So they, they are a lot, lot more quicker. But, but generally speaking, um, well, I don't know any helicopter that goes over about 180 knots and most civilian ones don't go over about 160. Uh, and most, most small sort of piston engine planes probably do about one, 110, 120, 130, something like that. So benefits of a fixed wing, benefits of a plane, it is a hell of a lot cheaper. Um, so just as a, a comparison, I went online before I started this podcast to have a look at the cost of flying. A plane will generally cost about £130 per hour, including the fuel, and that's known as wet. Um, so that's fully insured uh, and with all, all the maintenance taken care of. It's about £130 an hour. And that's every hour that the blades are turning. So that's not every, every sort of hour that you've hired it for um, or indeed every hour that you're flying for. It, it's, it's every hour that the blades are, are turning or, or 0.1 um, of an hour sort of increment. Um, helicopters cost a lot, lot more. Uh, a two-seater Robinson R22 helicopter is £290 an hour, including VAT to hire it generally. And that's the same again, that's wet, including fuel, including insurance, including all the maintenance. Um, and uh, a four-seater, which is what I fly, a Robinson R44, is about £430 an hour, including VAT. So they are quite a bit more expensive um, helicopters, um, you know, you, you're probably looking about three times, maybe, you know, sometimes four times the cost, but generally about three times the cost um, to, to fly a four-seater helicopter over a four-seater plane. Uh, planes are generally easier to fly. 
um, when you start with a helicopter, you you really understand um, what, uh, what 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 control is all about. Um, it takes a little while to learn how to hover. It's a little bit like taking a ball bearing and trying to to balance it on a tray. Um, it's quite difficult to get the ball bearing to stay in the middle. So you're constantly adjusting the tray, and it, it's no exaggeration to say that the the, 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 the size of or the, the extent of movement that you would have in the sides of the tray is probably similar to the amount that you'll move the stick in the helicopter. It is extremely sensitive. Um, so, so to get it to hover does take a little bit of uh, time. And, and generally controlling a, a helicopter um, versus a plane is more difficult. And, and takes longer to master. But once you've got it, it's like riding a bike, you never forget it. Um, you're on three controls. So every time you sort of pull the collective, uh, you need to, uh, the collective is, is what makes the helicopter go up and down. It's a little bit like a handbrake in a car. Um, when you pull that up or push it down, that the plane goes up or down, but then the, the plane will move from side to side and become unstable. So then you need to put uh, some movement into the stick, which is the forwards, backwards, left, right control that you have in your hand. Uh, and then you'll need to put some pedal movements in, um, which are pedals which are controlled by your feet. And that, that controls the yaw of the helicopter. So generally the, the pedal movements will be the, the left to right sort of yaw um, you know, the, the direction left to right um, of the helicopter. Um, you, you, you need to be constantly making control inputs into all three of those, those controls to, to, to get the helicopter to, um, to do what you want it to do. With a plane, it's a little bit more simple. You still have the foot controls and you're, you're controlling the rudder. Um, so again, it's your left to right. Um, and then you have a, a control um, stick which you're um, moving left, right, um, forward, backwards. But generally speaking, you're not having to make the same number of movements. Um, it, it is easier to fly and, and you, you know, you can sort of go up and down without having to make major movements with the other controls um, quite so often. Planes are more stable, they're inherently more stable. So, you know, if you're flying along, you get stuck in bad visibility or, you know, something happens, the plane will generally to, to a large extent, carry on on the same, you know, heading and you know to the, the same attitude as as you know it did do before. That the helicopter, if you just leave the control constant and you you don't move it, um, i.e., you put a blindfold on, um, you with, within a few seconds you would be flying in a completely different direction, and then eventually you'd probably be on your side. Um, so you have to be constantly sort of managing the direction and, and the, the control inputs on a helicopter. It, it does take more uh, concentration, I think. So what's the range? What's the, the, the comparison in terms of how far they can fly? Well, um, a Robinson R44 will generally fly for about 340 miles. Um, I don't generally go quite that far before refueling, um, but I'll often get somewhere around two and three quarters, maybe, maybe up to three hours worth. Um, so you, you might get 300 miles uh, in a straight line uh, on a Robinson R44. Uh, a PA28 has, has greater range, the, the fixed wing, the, the, the Piper. That'll probably go on for about 580 miles. So you do get more range out of um, a plane. 
What, what does that mean in, in reality? Well, you know, the Robinson R44, I can go most places in England uh, without needing to refuel. Actually, most of the journeys that I do, I can get there and back without needing to refuel, which is quite useful. Um, I can generally get about, generally I'd go probably an hour and a quarter, uh, which is two hours, two and a half hours there and back without refueling. I, you always want to have a quarter of a tank um, or 30 minutes fuel left in the tank uh, when you land. Um, you know, you, you really need, to, well, you absolutely do need to have that there um, to stay within your, um, to stay within the, 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 the regulations. So you can get most places in England in a Robinson. Would I go over the water? Would I go to France? Well, I have been to Le Touquet, uh, which is near Calais uh, in, a, in a Robinson R44. I took friends over. We landed there at, at Le Touquet Airport, Paris Plage, and we sort of, uh, we took bikes out. We went for lunch and filled up, and then we came back. That was a lot of fun. Um, so sort of went international and had to uh, speak to Border Force and, and give them all our passport numbers and that was, uh, that, was, that was a pretty cool trip and you do see quite a few um, smaller planes that have gone over the channel. So that is possible. I tend not to do that quite so much. What I like doing is looking for journeys which are more like two hours plus, so sort of two to sort of two to three hours, that's the sweet spot. Or should I say no, an hour and a half to two and a half hours, that's the sweet spot. Um, I find if you're gonna be doing a journey within England, especially sort of east-west, west-east, or, or where you're going around London, so where we are in the Midlands down to Bournemouth, those types of journeys take a long time in a car or a train. So Peterborough, Bournemouth in a car is, is four hours, but on a Friday afternoon, it's five hours. Well, I can do that in the helicopter in something like an hour and 10 minutes. So that, that makes a, a, you know, there's a, a big sort of benefit there. There's a big reason to do that. Um, if I'm going to a, a friend's, which is in uh, Lancashire, uh, a little bit outside of um, Kirby Lonsdale, uh, if I'm in a car, that's four, four and a half hours. Same thing, get in the helicopter, get up there, probably an hour and 20 minutes. So there's, you know, some, some big benefit there. Generally, you could go and, go and f fuel up there at, at Blackpool Airport. Um, and if I'm going down to Bournemouth, um, can pop into uh, Popham. That's a, a little airfield. There's all these little airfields on the way. There's a lot of ex-military bases, bomber bases, uh, which have what's known as Avgas, which is what you need to, to, to fill up. Uh, they're all quite friendly. I prefer the smaller ones. Uh, trying to go into a big airfield, um, you know, Heathrow, Gatwick, Stansted, Luton, can be a bit of a nightmare. Uh, we don't generally bother doing that. Um, it can take you half an hour to get in uh, and, and maybe even longer to get out of Heathrow. Um, and uh, I rang up the other day to ask what the landing fee at Heathrow was for an Robin, a Robinson R44. Um, and, uh, and wait for it, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, they told me it was £7,000 to land. Um, so clearly you're best staying away from places like that. Uh, go into the small ones, you know, they, they, if they charge you to land, they're probably charging you 30, 40, 50 pounds, uh, and then you, you fill up uh, and then you're away. So that, that's what I generally do. I, I like going to sort of hill climbs, which are, which are old vintage and classic cars, which are driven around the Cotswolds at places like Shelsley Walsh or Prescott. I can land in, in Broadway, which is a, a lovely Cotswold town, 
Um, and, and in Broadway, you, you can sort of go in. There's a, a couple of hotels there that will, will have me. Um, I can land in the middle of town and then, then just get a, a taxi to the, the event. Um, typically, that would take sort of two hours in a car there, two hours back. Helicopter, I can often do it in 35 minutes. So it's sort of there and back in a day, um, hour, hour and 10, hour and 15, there and back versus four hours in a car is, um, you know, quite nice, really. Um, so I, I like those sorts of journeys. Uh, we're going to another one called Chateau Impney um, for, for hill climb as well. Um, so that, that, that's a lot of fun. I'm planning a, a trip to uh, Cornwall um, this summer. Um, get to Cornwall a hell of a lot quicker than in the car. Could be five hours, but you know, get to Cornwall in the helicopter, probably about two hours. Um, generally, I find going north-south when there's a good train connection is not as, not as good. Um, if I was going from Peterborough to Glasgow, uh, I can get up there on the train, you know, maybe to Edinburgh in about four hours. Well, the helicopter, it will do it a little bit quicker, but it's, it's, it, it's just probably not, not as beneficial. Um, you know, if I, if I just have a, look, a, a quick look whilst we're talking now, I have a little app which I use to, to work out how long it takes me to get from certain places to, to other places and how much fuel I'm going to use. Um, so if I, I just dial in now, uh, a trip to Glasgow uh, from where I am now is around, it's about two and a half hours to Glasgow from Peterborough. Um, clearly you can do it on the train in uh, about four hours. So there is some benefit, but you're probably gonna have to stop for fuel. Well, you will have to stop for fuel at least once, so that's gonna add on uh, a good half an hour. So you, you're probably about six and a half hours in the helicopter versus about eight on the train. So that sort of journey, it's marginal because you're gonna have time at each end as well um, in the airfield. Um, North-South, you always find the roads and the, the train lines are, are much better. Uh, but if you're if you're sort of going east west or you're going sort of southeast to northwest, um, then you know that's or, or the other way around northwest to to southeast, that that's where the the major benefits go with a helicopter. Clearly, with fixed wing, it's going to be much more difficult to, um, to 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 make that work because you're going to be going into two airfields. Are they open? Are they shut? And you know how far is it from from each sort of fixed wing so you know for me I, you know flying small fixed wing whilst there is some practical application generally it's it's purely for um you know i, I call it flying around in circles um you know fly, flying re recreationally because you want to go out and have a fly whereas with the helicopter you can actually get some some benefit out of it but you need to be very selective um about what you're going to do with it Soon as there's bad weather, bad visibility, high winds, you're grounded. These are fair weather machines. Um, I do not recommend going up in, in any type of single engine helicopter um, with bad visibility or, or high winds. Um, you, you know, the, the people that do or, or do it very often uh, don't live very long. Um, it, it requires discipline. Um, these things are completely safe. When you follow the rules and when you're careful, you know, uh, lots of people who fly helicopters are pretty crazy. Um, they go around and, and, and sort of do things that they shouldn't do and, and, and break a lot of rules. Um, people who fly into clouds and hang around in them a lot, uh, they don't live for very long either, generally. Um, so that, that, that's all stuff that I, I 
you know, not a good idea. When you get into twin engine helicopters and, you know, you're, you're operating on instrument flight rules, therefore you're able to use instruments rather than needing to have visual references, um, then you can fly in lower visibility. Um, but generally speaking, it's, it's, um, it, it can be a little bit more dicey. So I tend to stick, I stick to daytime flying in good weather. Um, obviously, sometimes I get stuck on the way back or whatever and you know, need to come back slowly through reduced visibility. But as soon as the visibility is not right or, or the wind is too high, I just put it into a field, put it into a farmer's field, go and knock on the door. Um, I've done that a few times. Actually, the reception is usually pretty warm um, as long as you're nice to them. Apologise, offer to sort of pay them, pay them a bit of a landing fee, um, you know, just for leaving the helicopter there overnight before it gets picked up. Um, generally speaking, get in there the next day and take it out. Most of them won't accept it. Um, most of them have insisted on giving me a lift to the nearest town or calling me a taxi. I've had loads of cups of tea off, off, off the farmer's wife. So, um, you know, that's um, that's a pretty, you know, so it doesn't happen very often, but it, it, it's good to sort of know it's there. If, if you get stuck, you're in a helicopter, weather's bad or whatever, you can just put it into a field pretty, pretty easily. So what are the costs to learn? How does it sort of differ between flying a, a Robinson R22, which you're going to be learning in, that's the two-seat helicopter, um, and flying in a PA-28 fixed-wing plane, um, you know, when you're learning. So generally speaking, you're probably going to do, uh, in realistically, 55, 60, maybe 70 hours. Um, I know that's a little bit more than the minimum, but generally it takes people that long to learn to fly in one of these, especially in England, because a lot of the, the lessons get cancelled because of bad weather. Um, and then you tend to go backwards a bit if you don't fly for two or three weeks. Um, and you know you may end up having to uh, sort of cancel or not not be, be able to go along due to other commitments. So, generally speaking, for a, for a helicopter an R22, I've just had a look online. It's about 22k to to learn to fly, and that would usually include your time in the helicopter. You've obviously got a your theory exams which you need to take. There are books. There are you know maps you need to buy. Um, you've obviously got to do exams, and you've got to pay, pay the CAA some money as well. Generally speaking, uh, a fixed wing will cost you about 12K. Um, so it is quite a bit cheaper. Now, certainly with the, the helicopter, I know quite a few people that have, instead of learning to fly in England, they've gone to Florida and they've done it all in three months. Um, I've just had a lot on, look online. I've got a quote to do it in Florida for about 13,000. Uh, and that was to do 55 hours. So that's about 10K cheaper. Uh, than learning to fly in the UK in a helicopter. Uh, big benefit there is the, the weather is much, much better. Lots of people just go out for a couple of months. They, they just do it all in one go uh, and, and then they do a, a conversion when they come back to England. Um, I didn't do that. Um, it took Rob and I a lot longer in England to learn to fly uh, because you're sort of going along once a week for an hour and you know the, the lessons get cancelled and various other things happen. So um, I think it probably took us about 18 months to learn. Um, a big reason for that is the theory exams. Um, most people put them off. Um, we, you know, you don't read the book as much as you should do. It feels a bit mu too much like school. Um, you know, I, 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 I wish I'd sort of got on with the books a little bit earlier on. The reality is that that ends up delaying your test. Um, I, I went on for quite a long period 
where I hadn't, you know, sort of done all my theory exams. Um, you've got to do seven, you've got to sit seven written exams in total. Um, and, um, you know, that can really delay you getting your license. I know lots of other people have got delayed because of that. So Florida is an option, uh, but still lots of people sort of tend to, you know, like doing it in England. Um, so as I said, I, I fly a Robinson R44, which is a piston engine helicopter, not a jet. Um, it's got four seats, so I can take myself and three passengers. A PA28, um, same thing, four seats, so you're sort of pilot and three passengers. When you learn, you're flying in the smaller R22, which is the two-seat version. Um, the cost of a helicopter to buy um, an R44, the, the one I fly, new, they're about 400,000. Um, there are lots of used ones kicking around for say 200, 250,000, depending on how many hours they have left before the, the, the next sort of major overhaul or major service. Um, these things, you know, the maintenance is very, very strict. Um, every few years or every, every so many hours, they are completely overhauled. They're like a new helicopter. Um, it costs a, a hell of a lot to do that. Um, if the, you, know, you need new blades, that might be sort of 15, 20,000. So there's a lot of maintenance involved in, in keeping helicopters tip top. Clearly everything's got to work um, and um, you know, issues can be critical um, and, and can cause an accident. So um, very, very strict. Um, lots of people say to me, you know, I, sort of the helicopter you fly um, is smaller. Uh, I like the look of the bigger ones. I like the, you know, the, the sound of the jet powered ones. Well, the next level up is, a, is a, an Airbus or a Eurocopter EC120, or maybe a, a Bell 206, which is the one in the A-Team. You maybe remember it, the Bell Jet Ranger, um, or, or um, maybe something like um, a Robinson R66. Now, an EC120 will cost you about two million pounds new. Um, a Bell Jet Ranger, um, if they were producing them today, would be probably about one and a half million, something like that, new. Now, clearly used, you can pick ones up for, you know, I don't know, sort of 700, 800, a million pounds, depending on how many hours there are left. But it, it is a huge jump from what I fly in terms of cost. When you have a, a jet engine in there, you're probably talking about quadrupling the cost of purchasing it and, and increasing the cost of running it quite significantly. Um, some people say to me, ah, but surely it's a lot faster. Um, surely you can lift a lot more. Well, it's, it's probably, it may be no faster. An EC120 is pretty much no faster than a, a Robinson R44. Um, some of the jet engine ones are a little bit faster, but you know maybe 10% faster, something like that, not a lot more. An EC120 can take one extra person, so you get four passengers plus the pilot. Uh, same with the Bell Jet Ranger, um, same with the Robinson R66, which is a, an R66 is the, the jet version of, of what I fly, um, the, the R44, but I, I sort of think, what's the point? Because it looks like an R44, um, you know, and it is, it's just sort of more expensive because it's got the jet engine. Uh, for me, if I was getting a, a jet-powered helicopter, I would absolutely get a single squirrel. Maybe I'd get a B2. That's a similar cost to an EC120 or a, a Bell Jet Ranger. But the reality with a, a single squirrel is um, you can take often, depending on the configuration, you can take six people. So that's pilot, 
plus five, plus bags, plus you can fill up with fuel, which is certainly something you can't do with an EC120 or a Robinson R44. So that's what you get when you get into bigger jet-powered helicopters. It's slightly quicker. Maybe it'll do sort of 10, 20 knots more than an R44. Um, and, um, you know, if you, if you like me, I, I don't own my helicopter. I, I hire them. As I said earlier, it costs about 430 an hour for me to hire the Robinson R44. If you're looking at a jet-powered helicopter, if you can hire one, you're probably looking at, at a minimum of 650, 700 pounds an hour um, to hire one. Uh, lots will be 800 pounds an hour. The reality is though, there are very few to hire. You probably need to know somebody. The insurance is significant. Um, if you hot start one, it, and, you know, it will mean you, you need a new engine. It's, it's definitely engine out, uh, which will cost 80, 100,000 pounds. So the, the, the insurance is significant on a jet powered helicopter um, and, and the cost of running it is significantly more. So because of all that, most people will be flying what I'm flying, which is an, a Robinson R44 if they're using it recreationally uh, and, and self fly hiring it. They, they work for that purpose. If you're looking to learn to fly, um, where should you go? Well, most areas have a flight school. Obviously, you can go to Florida. I fly around Peterborough. I use a Connington. Um, but there are lots of others, you know, around our area. There's, there's um, a flight school in Nottingham. Um, there's one in Leicester. Um, there, there are a lot, lot more in the south of England. Um, you can go online if you just Google your area and type helicopter lessons. Often it will pop up. Um, there's a great website or app that you can use on your phone. It's called Helipaddy. Helipaddy will show you all the sites that you can land. So, you know, all of those hotels, those restaurants, those country houses, um, you know, the, the airfields, um, all of those different places where you can learn to fly, they should be there in Helipaddy. So that, that's a, a good um, app to use. You really need to sort of, if you're, if you're earlier on and you're just doing it recreationally, you want to get involved with a flight school. Those guys are going to keep you up to date with the rules. They'll often help you. You know, you're always going to have to do sort of extra training. If I don't fly for 28 days, I have to do a 28 day check, which is really just a circuit around the airfield. But, you know, you, you have to do that every, you know, every 28 or, or if you don't fly for 28 days, you, you have to do that every time before you go out and fly. Every helicopter pilot has to have a yearly test, uh, a license proficiency check, uh, which I do once a year. Um, and um, and you, you have to do a rating on each helicopter that you fly. So clearly I learned on a Robinson R22, which is a two seat helicopter. I then did a, um, I did my sort of rating, which is like a conversion onto the R44. And then you have to do a license proficiency check on each type of helicopter that you are rated on. Um, I haven't bothered keeping my R22 rating up. I, I, I just keep my R44 rating up because that's really what I fly. It's gonna be the same with um, a fixed wing. You're gonna to have to do a certain amount of hours every year, although I understand you don't need to do a yearly test. So you do need to be quite current on these. Um, I generally don't bother flying in the winter. I just can it. I find 
it gets cancelled and there's a lot more bad weather in the winter. Um, so I generally keep it to sort of spring and summer. I use it as a fair weather machine. I probably only fly about 20, 25 hours a year. Um, so for me, it's really not worth it to, to, to buy one of these. It's much better to have a, a sort of friendly local flight school. Um, you know, if I'm paying 4.30 an hour and I'm flying 20 hours a year, well, it's about 10 grand a year for, for my hobby. Um, you know, if you're going to be looking at uh, buying a helicopter or buying an, a Robinson R44, clearly it's going to cost you at least two, 250 grand. You're then going to have some serious costs to maintain it, um, you know, to, to run it. Insurance is probably 15 grand a year. It's just not worth it um, for, the, for that amount of flight time. So, but if you do more hours, it, it can be worth it. I can't reiterate enough how much, you know, it's important that you sort of follow the rules. I've seen a, a lot of people um, sort of break the rules and, and not necessarily um, apply that much discipline to this and, and sort of go up in weather that they shouldn't do. It's, it's very important that you, um, you do sort of stick within, you know, with cars, you, you sort of people break the speed limit and, uh, you know, I, I, I can't admit that I've always driven to the speed limit everywhere I'm going and, uh, you know, clearly you can usually get away with it in a car, um, but the, the, there's usually no second chances with these. So it, it, it is a, a, a good idea to do as you're told. So I hope that's been a good summary of the differences between flying a helicopter, flying a plane, learning to do it, doing it recreationally, um, the benefits of, of doing both. Clearly I'm biased, I, I much prefer flying in helicopters. Um, I, I think they, they can do so much more. It always impresses me, you know, when a helicopter goes and sort of pulls somebody out of a, um, you know, uh, an accident somewhere, you know, by the side of a road or in the middle of London or, you know, the pull people out of the sea. I, I, I just think they're amazing machines. You know, I, I, I always say to Gemma, when I retire, you know, or, or, you know, I'll never fully retire, but as a retirement job, I would love to just um, fly the, 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 the sort of, um, you know, the, the air ambulance or, or go to a Caribbean island and sort of do, do uh, fly the police helicopter part time for them and chase after the drug smugglers or, or, or that sort of thing. Um, I, I, um, I, I think they're, they're brilliant machines and they're, they're just great recreationally. They're a great thing socially. You can take people sort of round and about. Um, and uh, pick people up and put them into places, you know, quite quickly. Um, and um, yeah, I think in the right circumstances, they're, they're awesome machines. Uh, but I also know lots of fixed wing pilots that enjoy it, but um, I just say they're not as versatile. So I hope that's been useful. If you've got any uh, questions, need any help, I'm always there on Mark Homer at progressiveproperty.co.uk. That's been Mark Homer for Mark My Words. Thank you for listening. <laughs>